Today's message is on, is on valleys. We all find ourselves living in valleys from time to time. On the physical level, on the physical plane, we here in Salem live in the Willamette Valley. And uh, we have mountain ranges on either side. And because of the fact that we are in this nice valley that affords us relatively very nice weather, we're able to have a, a pretty good agricultural um, uh, product coming out of this valley and moderate temperatures that we experience. From a physical perspective, living in a valley can be very, very pleasant. It's a nice thing. But today, the message is not about physical valleys, but it's about spiritual valleys. It's about spiritual valleys. And from time to time, we all find ourselves in spiritual valleys. Spiritual valleys, however, are not as pleasant as it is when we live in a physical valley. Again, like I said, living here in the Willamette Valley, temperatures are moderate, relatively moderate, and, and good produce and soil and so on like that. We're protected by the mountains. But when you're in a spiritual valley, it is not quite as, uh, as pleasant to you. And we all can wind up in valleys from time to time. You know, you may find yourself on a mountaintop after you really, God has really blessed you with something and you really succeeded in achieving something. And then you're in a mount, on the mountaintop. But then after a season, because of the fact that we live this physical life and God, Jesus said that we will have challenges, that you may find yourself in a spiritual valley. But however, as Christians, we don't have to stay in, a, in our valleys. God has made promises to us. God has made promises to us through his word. So today we're going to look at some of those promises that God has made. Let's go to first Psalm 23. Good old Psalm 23. Psalm 23. You know, when we're in these valleys, we feel like oftentimes we feel that all is hopeless, that we're never going to accomplish anything, especially if after you've been soaring on a mountaintop and things have been going extremely well for you, then all of a sudden you find yourself in the valley feeling like you're in the pits and wondering what's going on, but the Lord does not intend us to be there. Psalm 23, starting with verse number 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Okay. First of all, we have to remember that God is indeed our shepherd. A shepherd is someone that cares for his flock. A shepherd is if you are a sheep, you certainly don't worry about from moment to moment or from day to day where your, um, where your provisions are going to come from, where your food is going to come from, where your protection is going to come from, because your shepherd is watching over you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Green pastures are always um, symbolic of being in a very pleasant place, you know, green and nice and cool and calm, and taking you beside the still waters. Still waters are waters that are not rough and tumultuous. Still waters are not a very like a very rough sea. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff they comfort me. So when you're feeling like you're in that valley, no matter how difficult that valley is, remember that God is indeed with you. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Who is the staff of life but Jesus Christ? You see, so when you're in that valley, remember that God is not going to let anything befall you. You're not going to let anything bad come of you. And God's rod
God and staff Jesus Christ are there to comfort you. So fear no evil, you know. And I know when you're feeling in that valley and you're feeling like everything is going on so wrong around you, you can be very, very upset and very anxious. But do not worry because God is with you. And it's not God's will for you to stay in that valley. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So the first thing that comes, should come to mind when you're feeling like you're in that valley, that first of all, the Lord is with you. And it is not his, not his intent for you to, to come to any, any harm, any peril while you're in that valley. Remember that the valley that you are in is something that is either spiritual, it could be psychological, where you are just projecting that you're in this valley, you know, and your, your feelings and your thoughts are keeping you in that valley. But God is saying, fear no evil, fear nothing. Okay, God's rod and staff, Jesus Christ, will indeed comfort you and lead you through. All right. So now we want to look at some more promises relative to to, uh, to things that God tells us. Go to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah forty three. Isaiah forty three. This is where God is telling Israel quite a lot uh, here, and we can appropriate these words for us because it's fitting for us here today. Chapter 43, verse number 1. But now, thus saith the Lord, who created thee, O Jacob, and he who formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by name, thou art mine. So one of the first things we should remember is is for us to fear not. God has indeed called you by name. Every single person that is sitting here in this sanctuary today was called by the Lord. And as a result of his call, you surrendered. At some time in the past, whenever that was, you decided that you were going to answer the call of God. You gave your life to Jesus Christ. You asked him to come into your heart. You asked him to take control of your life and your heart because you could not run it yourself. If you could make life so successful and take away every single pain and every single challenge in your life, you certainly would have done so. Amen. But we don't know the future the way God does. And, and trusting in God is far better than us trying to do things for ourselves. You see, so he says, he says right, right there, fear not for I have redeemed thee. I have called you by name. You are mine. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon you. Please highlight all of verse number two, and write in your margin, if you have space there, the promise. The promise, right in the margin there, the promise. God is saying that when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. You know, and many times we will say, you know, you know, it, you've probably heard the expression when someone says, how are you doing? Oh, gee, I just feel like I'm drowning. You know, I'm just barely, I'm treading water. I'm just barely making it, you know. Well, when you're feeling like that, when you're in that valley, when you're feeling so overcome that you just don't have any answers, you don't know how to get out of the situation, remember this promise that God is making here. When you pass through the waters, I will be 
with you and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. You see? And sometimes things do become feeling in our lives so impossible because when you're lying there on your bed at night and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do in the morning or what the next step is, your mind cannot come up with any answers. You, you're every place that you think about in your mind, you see a blank wall. I, there's, no, there's no way out for me here. I, I'm, I'm just drowning. This is an impossible situation. Every place I look to, be it the bank, be it a loved one, be it a family member, friend, someone that you know, and you're trying to figure how to get out of this predicament and you feel like you're drowning, you have no answers. God is telling you here that when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. So in other words, you will not drown. If there's a problem that you have in your life or if there's something that you're wrestling with in your life now, be it a situation, be it involving people, be it living conditions, be it job, uh, be it finance or whatever it might be, and you're feeling like it's overflowing you because you just don't know where to turn, God is saying here that, that have no fear because he will be with you. When you walk through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. You know? And we all, we all can think back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when uh, Nebuchadnezzar threw them in, threw them into the fire, into the burning furnace there, remember? And they turned up the fire and made it as hot as possible and then Nebuchadnezzar looked down in there and he said he saw a fourth person walking amongst them and when he called to pull them out, says their clothing and not a hair, not an eyebrow was singed the fire didn't touch them, you see? So when we are in these valleys where we're feeling, where we're feeling so down and out and feeling like everything is just so impossible God is there with you and what he's saying is that no matter how hot the fire is, and the Lord knows when we have these valleys that we're in when we're struggling with situations and something on our, our, is on our mind we don't know the way out we feel like we're in a fire we feel like we're being burned but God is saying don't worry you're not going to be touched verse number 3 goes on to say for I am the Lord thy God the Holy One of Israel thy Savior I gave Egypt for thy ransom Ethiopia and Saba for thee since thou wast precious in my sight Thou hast been honorable, and I have, I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee, and, and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. Please underline. Fear not, for I am with thee. Fear not, for I am with thee. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the, from the west. Um, one of the things that we feel the most is when we're struggling with something, when we're in that valley, is that we feel like God is not there many times. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. You, know, you may even cry out, God, where are you? You know what my situation is. You know what's going on. Where are you, God? We have to remember that just because we don't see God, God. And remember, we don't, walk by, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. Because you don't see God and you don't feel God does not mean that he is not with you. Amen? So you have to take him at his word. It says, Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, Give up, and to the south, Keep not back. Bring my, bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Even every one who is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Okay, now, I have created him for my glory. Did you ever stop and think to yourself, why are you here? Why did you give yourself to the Lord? This is not just a, 
a, a, a casual passing thing that we do as becoming Christians, as accepting God. You give yourself to the Lord, then that means that we should be living our lives to glorify Him. So therefore, if you are struggling and if you're down in this valley so long that you're not able to do what God is calling you to do, then you're not glorifying Him. You're not able to glorify Him. And it is not God's will for Him to, 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 to bring you and to, and to adopt you into the family of God and then to have you going out, going out there um, not glorifying Him. And if we are in a struggling position, if we are in a position of want, or if we are in a position where we're constantly in this valley and we're walking around destitute and we're feeling so down that we're not able to glorify God. Amen? So God's, God's desire for you as a child of His is for you to be successful and to thereby in turn to glorify Him. So if God wants us to glorify Him, then that means that He is not going to leave us in a valley. He's not going to leave us in a place where we're hurting and where we're not able to stand up and to do what God would be calling us to do. You see? And many times when we are in that valley, we don't understand what God's greater purpose might be. Being in that valley temporarily might be to strengthen you. Being in that valley temporarily might be to give you some faith, to give you some patience in working for God and waiting on God. Being in that valley may be a time for you for you just to see and to ponder how important it is for you to wait for God. All right? But more importantly, it is to fear not, for I am with thee. All right? He goes on to say here, even um, in verse number 7, every, even every one who is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory, I have formed him, yea, I have, I have made him. Verse 8, bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. Bring forth the blind, underline blind people that have eyes, then underline the deaf that have ears. Okay? So what is this saying to us? If there are blind people that have eyes, that means that they have eyes, but obviously something they're not seeing. If they're deaf and they have ears, then that means that there's something that they are not hearing. You see? But this hearing and sight that God is talking about here in Scripture goes a lot further than just simply being able to see uh, 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 from where you're sitting behind me to the stage or, or, or hearing, my, hearing the sound of my voice. This is really seeing into the supernatural, the deep things of God, and uh, with understanding. Hearing is, is, under, is hearing and understanding the deep things of God. You see? And you've heard the expression, the blind leading the blind, you know? How far that gets you, the blind leading the blind. Well, this is saying that there are people People that have eyes, yet still they do not see, they're blind. People that have ears, yet still they do not hear. Let all the nations, verse 9, be gathered together, and let the people be assembled. Who among, who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring forth their witnesses that they may be justified, or let them hear and say, it is truth. You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant, whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me. Please in the line that you may know and believe me, and understand that I am he. Before me was no God formed, neither shall, be, shall there be any after me. You may understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither will there be after me. You have to understand who God is, and that God is indeed God. God is not just some trivial being that we just pray to occasionally or that we just think of. This is God, the creator of the universe, your creator, who was and always was. I almost said was before the beginning of time, and that is true because time was established when the universe was birthed and, and the, the planets and so on like that started demarking de, uh, time. But God existed before that. He always was. 
He always was and always will be. And he is indeed your creator. So if he is mighty enough to do all of those things, do you not think that he is mighty and able to get you out of your valley and to watch over you while you're going through whatever difficulties you might be having? You are... um, Verse 11, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. There is none none other that's a Savior. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to get into, you know, all of the other religions and and so on like that and all the other faiths and beliefs, but God is God and Jesus Christ is the Savior, and, and none can come to the Father except by Jesus. And I'm sorry, I won't debate that, I won't argue that, I won't get into a heavy duty discussion. God is God, Jesus Christ is His Son that was sent here for us. Amen. You accept Jesus Christ, you have salvation. Amen. He is the only way to the Father. I have declared and have saved and I have shown when there was no strange God among you. Therefore, you are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Please underline that I am God. I have declared and have saved and I have shown that there was no strange and no strange God among you. Therefore, you are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Yea, before the day was, I am he. Please in the line, before the day was, I am he. Before the day was, I am he. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall hinder it? Please in the line, I will work, and who shall hinder it? Okay, so understand that before the day was, again, as I was saying, before the existence of anything, God was there. God was there. God pre-exists everything that, you, you know, when he, God says that, that I am, that simply means that I am. I exist. I am. You know, for God there is no yesterday, there is no today, there is no tomorrow. There is one constant now. God always was. I am that I am that I am. I am. Okay? And what he's saying here also is, is that our, uh, uh, I will work and who shall hinder it? If God is working something in your life, then who can hinder it? Who can stop it? You're in this valley and and things are not going the way you're wanting them to go and you're struggling. And then you're knowing that God is working. So if God is working for you, who can hinder that? Who can stop that work? There's none. There's none. If God always was, always will be, and always is, then who can hinder anything that God is, do, is, is uh, doing in your, on your behalf? The word of God says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. So any plans of the enemy that are out there to, 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 to wreck your finances, to, to take away your health, to, to upset the apple cart in any way, any plan that the enemy may have, any weapon that is trying to be formed against you, the word of God says no weapon formed against me shall prosper. It shall come to no, no good end. Verse 14, thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake, I have sent to Babylon and have brought down all their nobles and the Chaldeans whose song is in the ships. I am the Lord, your Holy One. Please underline your. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Underline your King. Thus saith the Lord who maketh a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters, who bringeth forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinct. They are quenched as, as a wick. Okay? Thus saith the Lord who maketh a way in the sea. When you're feeling lost, how many times have you said to yourself, or even in prayer, God, where do I go? What direction do I need to take here? Should I do A? Should I do B? Should I do C? Okay? So it's almost like you're feeling lost. 
what God is saying here is that he will make a way in the sea, you know. And it's interesting that so there are so many references here to water, you know, drowning and so on like that, because that's how we often feel. We feel like we're drowning in, in the things of life. We're drowning in the vicissitudes, the ups and downs of life. God is saying to you that he will make a way. So if there's something that you're wrestling with right now, even though it may seem that it's impossible, even though it may seem right now that there's no way out and that you've lied, you've, you've lied awake in bed at night wrestling with this thing and struggling with it, you spend the daylight hours, you sit down and you try to watch TV and your mind winds up drifting off thinking about this thing that's in your life, but God is saying that he will make a way in the sea, you see. And what we need to do at those times is to take our minds off of that thought, whatever that thing is that's happening, whatever that valley is that's going on in your life. You need to take your minds off it, cast down the imagination and said anything that would exalt itself against the word of God. Those imaginations, those thoughts that you have that are making you feel so troubled and worrying about your future or whatever it is that's going on down in that valley, you need to pull down that imagination, cast it out because that's exalting itself against the word of God. How is that? What does that mean? That means that it's going counter to what the word of God says. God says that I will make a way in the sea for you. Amen? So if that thought is coming into your head and making you feel like you're going to be trapped, you're going to drown, you're going to stay in this valley then that is counter to the word of God that thought is exalting itself against the word of God so you need to pull it down you need to arrest it you need to get it under control and cast it out in the name of Jesus and then recite back the scripture literally recite back the scripture God will make a way in the sea the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want amen amen so he's promising here that that he's with you Um, verse number 18 Remember not the former things. Remember not the former things. Neither consider the things of old. That's one of the worst things that we could do when we start running into problems or we're stuck down in a valley or we feel like something is going wrong is that we start dwelling on the past. You start thinking about at some particular time where maybe there was a failure or something did go wrong and it was particularly upsetting and traumatic to you. Don't dwell on that, you see, because one of the, one of the best things that the devil does, it will bring back to memory something that, that was really painful or hurtful to you in the past, you know. And I find it so interesting because, I mean, I'm, I'm not unlike anyone sitting here in this room. I certainly get under attack and I know it's amazing, you know. I have a hard time remembering what I had for breakfast this morning. But yet still, out of the blue, all of a sudden, the devil will come in and bring back a thought, an event, something that happened 20 years ago with crystal clarity. I mean, technicolor. You know, 3D. You know, I mean, you can see everything. You remember what clothing you had on. You remember where you were. You remember that thing with crystal clarity, you see, because the devil wants to take you back and make you dwell on that time, on those former things, okay? Those things may have happened before you, before you came to the Lord. Those former things may have happened even after you came to the Lord, but we all have trials and tribulations. Jesus said we would have trials and tribulations, you see. But those trials and tribulations that we have after we're born again and God brings us through, those things are done. Those are former things and we don't dwell on them, you see. But what the devil will have you do is that when you're in this valley, he will say, well, you see where you are right now? This is what's going on. You're going to fail. 
that person's giving you a hard time. You don't know where you're going to go from here. You don't know what your next steps are. Okay, you think God's going to help you? You remember back so-and-so? Remember that, remember that fiasco? Remember how you went through that? And that person said this, or that person did that, or this is how the situation panned out, how the job went bust, the apartment went bust, the house went bust, whatever it is that went on, the devil will bring it back to you with crystal clarity. What God is saying here is remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Please in the line, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? So what God is saying here is that he is going to do a new thing. If there's something that you're wrestling with in, in life right now, this scripture today, appropriate it for yourself. Grab it for yourself and say that God is going to do a new thing. He's going to do a new thing. Okay? And it, it says that, shall you not know it? Okay? It shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You see? So now that is saying something that God is doing, going to do something that is extremely difficult. By man's standards anyway. A wilderness, as you know, is something that is, 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 our, uh, is, is devoid of water and, and is very difficult to get through. To get through and whatnot. It's like you're in the middle of nowhere. God is saying that I'm going to make a way. You know? And right now, if you're wrestling with something it may feel like you're in a wilderness because you do not have the answers you don't know the way out you can't feel the way out but God is saying to you today he's saying to you today as of my, my voice if you're hearing my voice that God is going to do a new thing it shall spring forth and I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert okay and when you think of water being in the desert you know sometimes you may think of those are, um, uh, what do you call it the hallucination that you see um, oh wait, well, yeah. Well, you see water and it's not there, you, you know. And uh, I can't think of the word right now. But you're in a desert there, a mirage. Thank you, thank you. You're in a desert and you think you see water and it's a mirage. Water is not really there, you know. And you've probably seen that even if you're driving on a highway on a very hot day. Have, how many have experienced seeing what looks like water on the highway on a very, very hot day? This is a mirage. It's a figment of your imagination. What God is saying is that he will make rivers in the desert. When God is saying he's going to make rivers in your desert, this is not a mirage. God is certainly going to provide all of the things that you would need in a desert. An oasis setting, or, or water, food. God will indeed provide the way. The problem is with us as human beings is that we get locked so much into our own thoughts and our own feelings and we confine ourselves to the to the dimensions to, to, to the possibilities of the, of the three dimensional world that we live in and what we are capable of doing is that we unwittingly we try to bring God down to our standard of operation instead of us looking up to God's standard of operation you see you see while it may be impossible for us to provide water in a desert or provide or for us to to provide in a wilderness God can certainly do that but we have to believe it we have to believe it amen verse 20 says the beast of the field shall honor me the jackals and the ostriches because I, I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people uh, my, my chosen you see now don't forget also that you're a chosen you know, you know, you know. What, what does the word of God say that we are a chosen generation a royal priesthood you know so you're somebody special 
That's the other thing that the devil often sows uh, into your head is that you're, you're nobody special. Why should God take any time for you? Why should God be concerned about you? Well, you, you're a chosen person. You've been adopted into the family of God. The way you are today is not the same way you were 10, 15, 20 years ago. Amen? You've been chosen. Okay? So consider yourself to be honored that God is going to be watching out for you. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. But thou hast not called upon me, O Jacob. Thou hast been weary of me, O Israel. Thou hast not brought me the sheep of thy burnt offerings, neither hast thou honored me with thy sacrifices. I have not caused thee to serve, I have not caused thee to serve with an offering, nor wearied thee with incense. Thou hast brought me no sweet candy with money, neither hast thou filled me with the fat of thy sacrifices. But thou hast burdened me with thy sins, thou hast wearied me with thine iniquities. So this is where he's telling Israel that Israel is going off and they're still sinning and they're forgetting about forgetting about sacrificing to God okay now this is another thing that is very so very important to us also as Christians we may be in this valley or there may be things going on in our lives that are very very troublesome that we're really really struggling with one of the things you do not want to do is to stop giving to God you cannot afford to stop giving to God. This is so important, you know. And giving to God means, means, means that any time that there is an increase, the sacrifice is giving sacrificially. You know, if you have an increase, the whole thing of tithing, you, you know, tithing, a tenth of, of your increase. If we were in a farming society, an agrarian society, then it means that a tenth of our crops, a tenth of our sheep, or whatever it was that was increased, a tenth, you would give that to God. So that means that every time there is an increase, we are supposed to be giving to God. Now, that increase in modern day times and whatnot, if we were in the fields in farming days, farming times, uh, in ancient times, if they got an increase, they gave the, the sacrifice and, uh, to God. They gave it to God, the offering to God. Here in modern times, because we're not in a farming situation and we give our offerings in terms of money, okay, the increase is what you, or how you're increased through your job, through your, 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 your pension or whatever it is. Whenever you are increased with, with financial stuff, with money, then we are expected to give to God, okay? And that means whenever you have an increase. That does not mean that if I have an increase, I got paid on Friday, but I didn't go to church on Sunday. That doesn't mean that you don't give the increase. Amen. You still got the increase. Amen. And you owe that to God. You owe that to God. If you got the increase, you owe it to God. You see? So what I and my family, what we always do, amen, if for some reason I don't make it to church, I still do that tithe whenever I got that increase, and I bring it into church the next time that I'm there. You see, this is the sacrifice. You see, but what God is saying here, if you really listen to what he's saying, he says, says uh, um, but thou hast not called upon me, O Jacob, but thou hast, hast wearied me, O O, o Israel, thou hast not brought me the sheep of thy burnt offerings, neither hast thou honored me with thy sacrifices. I have not caused thee to serve with an offering, nor wearied thee with incense. Thou hast brought me no sweet cane with money, neither hast thou filled me with the fat of thy sacrifices. But thou hast burdened me with thy sins, thou hast wearied me with thine iniquities. So in other words, they're going on with life as usual, with life as usual in terms of, of, of crying out to God and this sin. 
sinning and, and doing things like that, but yet still they're not giving God his due. They're not giving God uh, the sacrifices and so on. And then he says there, 25, Even I am he who blots out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. You see, so what a loving God we have here. He says that in spite of all that, he's going to blot out their transit transgressions for his sake. He'll blot out and will not remember remember their sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together, declare thou, that thou mayest be justified. Thy first father has sinned, being Adam. Thy first father has sinned, and thy teachers have transgressed against me. Therefore, I have profaned the princes of the sanctuary and have given Jacob to the curse and Israel to reproaches. Yet now here, verse uh, chapter 44, yet now here, O Israel, O Jacob, my servant and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb, who will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou Jezreel, whom I have chosen. So he's still saying here, fear not. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and, and, uh, and floods upon the dry grounds. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessing upon thine offspring. So after all of that, he is saying that I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. So if you are thirsting for God, if you're really thirsting for God, God is saying that he will pour water unto you. But he will he, he he will respond to you. He will respond to you, and we know that water is always is always a type of uh, of the of Holy Spirit. And I will pour my spirit upon thee, and my blessing upon thine offspring. You see. So now this is important also for us who are parents, even to think about what we are doing and how God blesses us is indeed passed on to our children. You see. You know where it says elsewhere in Scripture says that the sins of the father are passed on to the third and fourth generations. Amen. So we need to be very very careful about how we're living our lives. You need to be very, very careful. And they, uh, they shall spring up among the grass like willows by the water courses. One shall say, I am the Lord's, and another shall call himself by the name of Jacob, and another shall write on his hand unto the Lord, and surname himself by the name of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last, and beside me there is none other. In other words, this is him saying, I am Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Amen? And of course, all that is in between. And who, as I shall call and shall declare it, and set it in order for me, since I appointed the ancient people, and the things that are coming, and shall come, let them show them. I fear, and, uh, fear, fear not, neither be afraid. Have not I called thee from that time, and have declared it. You are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yes, there is no God. I know not any. Amen? Amen? And then he goes on here to talk about how important it is to make sure that we understand who God is. And he talks about idols and, and uh, images here. He says that um, they will make a carved image. They that make a carved image are all of them vanity, and their delectable things shall not profit. And they are, they are their own witnesses. They see not, know not, that they may be ashamed. Who has formed a God or melted and cast an image that is profitable for anything? Okay, in other words, any images that are made by man, they're, they're not, they're, there's nothing there that's going to benefit you, you see. You know? And this gets into that whole thing of idols where, where people you know, have used stones and trees and you name it. They've made idols out of them. We know that there are people that put little things on their dashboards and so forth and, and they're praying to those things. Well, 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 the only one that we pray through is to, is to God through Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ. So these things are, 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 are often not. Um, 
It goes, Behold, verse 11, Behold, all his fellows, behold, all his fellows shall be ashamed, and the workmen, they are of men. They are of men. Let them all be gathered together, let them stand up, uh, yet they shall fear, they shall be ashamed together. The smith with the tongs both works in the coals and fashions it with hammers, and worketh it with the strength of his arms. Yea, he is hungry, and his strength fails. He drinks no water and is faint. The carpenter stretches out his rule, he marks it out with a line. He fits it with planes and he marks it out with the compass and maketh it after the figure of a man according to the beauty of a man that it may remain in the house. This is talking about idols. He hews him down, he hews him down uh, cedars and takes the cypress and the oak which he strengthens for himself among the trees of the forest. He plants an ash and the rain thus nourish it. Then shall it be for a man to burn for he will take of it and warm himself. Yea, he kindles it and breaks bread. Yea, he makes a god and worships it. He makes it a carved image and falleth down to it. And then it goes on to say, uh, verse number 17 here and the residue of it he makes a God even his carved image he falls down on it and worships it and prays and saith deliver me for thou art my God they have not known nor understood for he hath shut their eyes that they cannot see and their hearts that they cannot understand so here this is just talking about here how man man can so easily get away and start worshiping man made things okay and especially when you're in that valley <laughs> Would you believe if I was to say and to tell you that there have been Christians that have been going to church and then when they get into a particular place that is particularly painful for them and struggling, that all of a sudden they'll go by one of those palmistry places or tarot card readers and they will decide to go off and consult with those people and those things. Looking at carved images, looking at idols and so forth and start praying other places because they think God is not there. Oh, what a wretched place to be in. What a wretched place to be in. God is the only answer to any valley that you might be in. God is the only answer to any problems that you may have. God is the only answer if you're wondering what your future is holding, what decisions that you should make and where you should go to. Amen. Do not be tempted to try to take any shortcuts. We don't get into, uh, into reading um, horoscopes. We don't get into to, to our um, dream books. I mean, there are actually books out there that you can buy. And back on the East Coast, they're very, very, prop- very, very prevalent. Where if you have a particular dream, you look up in this dream, book and it'll tell you this and that and this and that it'll give you some numbers and then you can either go and play the numbers in, in, in the lottery and you think you're going to win you get so off, so off into the wrong direction that it isn't funny all because of the fact that you're in this particular valley and right now it may seem that this valley is too deep for you to get out of. Where right now you may feel that, 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 that you don't have any answers to your questions you don't know where to go, you don't know how to turn to the left or to the right. God is saying that no matter how you may feel you're drowning no matter how you feel that you're in this desert or in this wilderness that God is there with you his rod and his staff they will comfort you amen so do not get to I mean I know that no one in this sanctuary would get so distraught and so worried that they would go off and start pursuing things that would be of the occult but I'm telling you that it is not beyond uh, 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 comprehension understanding because there have been people that have done that out of sheer frustration God is your only answer I don't care how difficult it may seem how impossible it may seem where you do not have any answers you, Monday morning's coming up and you don't know 
know how you're going to deal with whatever it, it, you're going to deal with. Just simply trust God. Just simply trust God, you know. One of the things that you can try doing and, and everything is something recently that I've certainly reminded myself about doing is simply saying, I don't care. Simply say, I don't care. You've got this situation in your life. You've got this thing that's going on. Simply say, I don't care. And then you go on to say, which means, I don't care because I cast all my cares onto God because he cares for me. Amen. So by you saying, I don't care, that means that I am not going to care about the situation. I'm not going to carry this burden on my shoulders anymore. I don't care. Because I cast my cares to God, because God cares for me. Amen? Amen? So going into the balance of the day and into the night before you get into Monday morning, if there's something you're struggling with, if there's a valley before you, if there's something that you're uncertain about, if you need decisions and answers from God, amen, do not carry it. Do not burden yourself with it. Simply give it to God. You see, God knows you have this need before you even pray about it. Amen? God knows that you have this need even before the need became a need to you. God knew what was going to happen Monday, last Monday. God knows what's going to happen this coming Monday, tomorrow. Amen. God knows before you do. Amen. So knowing that God knows, okay, what God oftentimes waits for us to do is simply to come to him and acknowledge the fact that you need him. Acknowledge the fact that you can't do this by yourself. Where you're actually crying out to God, God help me. I'm at my wit's end here. I do not know where to go with this. I'm looking to you. Okay, and then say, I don't care anymore. I will not carry this burden. I cast it onto God because God cares for me. Amen? Amen? So if you're in a valley, it's not God's will for you to be there. If you feel like you're drowning, it's not God's will for you to drown. If you feel like you're just at at the end of the rope and you have no way out, it's not God's will for you to feel like that. And there is indeed a way out. You just have to to just let go. Just let go. Just let go and give it to God. Uh, Saying let go just reminds me here in closing of um, a little little, little, uh, story or anecdote or whatever you want to call it about a guy who who, uh, tripped and fell down a well. And as he was going down the well, he grabbed onto this rope and the rope was slipping through his hands as he went lower and lower and lower. And he could hear the water rushing past him beneath his feet there. And he felt, oh gosh, this is rough water. There's a lot of turbulence there. And his hands continued to slip. And he cried out to God, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And God said, let go. But he was still holding on as he heard the intensity of the water, you know, just going by under his feet there. And God said again, let go. And he still just held on as the rope was slipping and crying out to God. Finally, God, one last time, said, let go. And he could feel that he had inches of rope left underneath his hand, that he was going to just certainly perish. God said, let go. When he let go, he dropped six inches, and the water was at his ankles. God told him to let go. He thought he was in this huge cavern with feet and, you know, tall, a lot of water where he was simply going to drown. The water was only ankle deep, ankle deep, but he didn't trust God to let go. You see? See? So whatever it is that you may be wrestling with, you know, it's time for you perhaps to simply let go. Let go. Knowing that God is not going to let you drown. He's not going to let you go through any waters um, that's going to harm you. He's not going to let any fires singe a hair on your head. Simply let go. 
Amen. Amen. Praise God. I pray that this message was a blessing to you. And now, before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.